Hi everyone. Welcome to Real World Parenting, tips and scripts for parents on roads less traveled. I'm Dr. Laura Anderson, a child and family psychologist, and I'm glad you're here. As you settle in to listen, let me reassure you that you are in the right place. If you're a loving parent looking for answers and encouragement, and maybe even a chuckle amidst hard things. If you're a loving parent who's raising a child on a journey different from your own as a child, and are seeking a compass as you navigate uncharted waters. This is the place for you if you get the theory of parenting advice you keep hearing, but for the love of chocolate and curry and all other nearly perfect things, that theory never quite works as planned with your actual children. Finally, you are in exactly the right place if you're a therapist or clinician who works with kids, teens, and families. My intention is that these episodes will deepen your work and change lives. So in this intro, I get two to three minutes here to boil down 30 years of work in my psychology offices and my experience as a mom in the trenches and let you know what I'll offer with this podcast. I almost called it Lessons from Our Living Rooms or Couch Conversations because my offerings will be things I have learned and keep learning from the vantage point of both my living room couch and my therapy office couch. The aim of this podcast is to offer hope, support, wisdom, and experience in community, to provide clinicians a window into what our recommendations actually mean for real families in real life. We will talk all things kid and teen related and shine a spotlight on families navigating identities related to race, gender, and adoption. We will explore common child and adolescent mental health and wellness related topics. The hope is to leave you with a greater understanding of your child's needs and a, you got this, energy. Episodes will also feature actual practical tips and answers to questions including, well, what do I say when and what do I do when, so that you feel equipped to handle the day-to-day parenting puzzles we face. So pour yourself a cuppa or lace up some shoes or hide in your busy parent bathroom for a bit and join me for head and heart conversations about loving and living with children walking past less often traveled. Have I mentioned I'm glad you're here? I trust that you'll be glad. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I am glad you are here, and I'm very glad I am here, and I'm very glad my guest this week, Simon Ben, is here. Welcome, Simon. Great to be here. We're all pleased we're here. We're pleased you're listening. (laughs) Yeah, we're pleased. We're pleased you're listening. I mean, if we wake it up, yes. we're waking up. It's a good day, right? Yes, exactly, exactly. We wake up, we can't feel wood. You know, when we put our elbows out, that's the wood of the coffin. It's a good day. Squeeze the small stuff, ladies and gentlemen. I'm non-binary people. Sorry. No, perfect. Yeah. That's a great squeeze. I love that squeeze the small stuff. That's a great, a great launching uh, uh, pad into into this week. So we, we've been chatting a little bit and we're hoping to um, connect around the fact what the what I do with folks who are on the show is I say, well, we'll have a bio out there. People will be able to read about you and how to find you. But but how would you um, sort of boil down for listeners what brings you to the chair with me now? What life and professional experience has us popping in together? Great, great question. So, um, I'm adopted. I'm I'm 55. I was adopted at at, uh, at five weeks old and I had a a good experience. Um, I had no adoption issues whatsoever uh, that I could figure as a kid. 
Uh, and I don't think because I've explored it a lot, mm. I I'm pretty sure I I wasn't suppressing them or whatever. But essentially, business caused me far more stress um, than than being adopted. So running the family business caused me a lot of a lot of heartache. And when I finally got to some point of success, it didn't it didn't make me happy. So my antennae were up. Right, okay. So where's happiness going to come from? And um, uh, around that time, I found out that my childhood teddy bear was from my birth mother. And my first reaction to that was one of curiosity. Um, and then a couple of months later, I had a, a big, uh, a, 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 40, a 40 year old temper tantrum um, and, some horrib- and, and had some horrible thoughts about my birth mother, who I'd never really thought of before. Well, I hadn't thought of at all. So, business, I thought, well, business success hasn't made me happy it was pretty fleeting anyway so um <laughs> and not particularly significant but it was a big deal for me at the time so i thought well business hasn't made me happy and maybe adoptions um uh, you know screwed me up a little bit and and i went on a either a spiritual journey um uh, as some people might say and i say on a, on a good day or i had a midlife crisis if i'm looking at it and i i learned a load of stuff i got out of my old business I decided that I wanted to help others. I did loads of different stuff and I couldn't get traction with that. And I got really frustrated with that. And somebody said to me, Simon, a mentor of mine said, you seem to be getting a bit hung up on the stuff that you're doing and you're not getting what you want. Is it time for something new? And and, and I saw the wisdom in what she said. I know you're big on wisdom aren't you? Uh, and um and decided right and uh, the first idea that came into my head was a a, a book around uh, a book around the teddy bear right uh and uh, that book didn't happen uh, but kind of became a podcast and and da 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 and here we are and here we are it's, yeah, I mean, I think when I when we were touching base ahead of time, we're looking at like what do you know? The listeners are mostly parents and clinicians, and I think we're looking at at sticky points and and information that that helps kids and families. And we were speaking a little bit about the the concept of like how central is the adoptee identity to identity like and 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 there's there's conversation and debate to to various degrees around this notion of trauma and lifelong impacts and and um you know and then i often sit with parents who are who are struggling in terms of how they think about their child struggles if their child is struggling is this all adoption is it zero adoption is it what you know just personality is it mental health issue i mean like there, there's a lot of what is this and what do i do with this um what's what it, what would you say has shaped your approach around that stuff i mean it sounds like you said you hadn't thought much about how did you think about adoption as a kid um I don't. I didn't think a lot about it. I, I, I was. I was uh, to use the jargon. Uh, to use the jargon, I was well attached. I think is that the right word? Attached. Yeah. So I, I remember my 
sister. I've got a little sister. She's two years younger than me. Um, she adopted well as well. She's not my biological sister. She was adopted from a different family through the same uh, adoption council, but not not from the same family. And she said, uh, do you ever think about finding your real mum and dad? I said, no, mum and dad are our, are our real mum and dad. Um, and I was not blowing smoke up her. Uh, that's the way I saw it. Um, I remember one occasion when I was about 16, uh, we were in a cafe bar place and my dad was there. I was playing pool and I'm not very good at spatial reasoning, so I'm not particularly good with, with pool, <laughs> but you know, um, do you call it pool or billiards? Pool. Pool. pool? Yeah. Yeah. Pool. Okay. <laughs> and, and this, this guy said to me who, and he must've been the, I think probably the dad of the, the, the young lad I was playing. And this guy said to me, that's your, that's your, that's your dad over there, isn't it? That's, that must be your dad. And, um, and, and I looked at my dad and we just, because it, it, you, you look the same, isn't it? And, and, um, uh, and uh, me and my dad just kind of like grinned and winked at each other and that was that, really. Um, so I don't, I don't really remember a, 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 lot, of, a lot about it. I, I had some trouble, some stuff with my my my, uh, my dad, but it was just that stuff, really. It was some adoption stuff. Wasn't specific. It didn't, it didn't like the fact that um, I'm 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 not I don't stand up yeah. square shouldered, you know, like a military man, and and he didn't he didn't like that, and he, he gave me a bit of a hard time about that. <laughs> it was, was different stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> no. So so in part of what you were talking about, you're like, how do we? What value is it of for parents to think about? their kids' struggles as adoption-related rather than human-related. Like, what would you say are some of the, when we were speaking quickly, what do you see as sort of fundamental human struggles? And how do you think about those as related to adoptee struggles? Okay. Uh, well, uh, I, I mean, I, I would, to, to take go back to where you were a couple of minutes ago, yeah. because I didn't answer the question. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I, I've got a, I could get an Olympic gold medal in overthinking, right? Yes. So I, I, um, I, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, me and my wife haven't got any kids apart from, you know, furry, furry uh, yes. friends, Labradors and, and one of, we've got, a, we've got one pig, unfortunately we had to sleep a couple of weeks ago. So we were, my, my wife especially was particularly gutted about that. So I overthink a lot of stuff, but I, I and I know that all parents overthink a lot of stuff. I was going to say that. I'd be on the podium uh, there, there with, <laughs> there with you. Adoptive parents yes. overthink a lot of stuff. Yes. Um. For for me, uh, overthinking, I do it, but I know that it, it never really gets me anywhere. So sooner or later, maybe I'll do it a little bit less. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm not particularly concerned about my overthinking now. I used to be very concerned about overthinking. So I used to worry and then worry about worrying. And then I used to worry about worrying about worrying. Yes. And as one of my mentors says, that that makes us morons, right? We've got more on our mind. Oh, I like that. Okay, all right. That's, that's uh, 
Mike, Michael Neal. Um, he's, uh, how far is it from Hawaii to, 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 to California? Oh, thousand miles. Oh no, it's a good six-hour plane flight, several thousand miles. So yes, six. It's three thousand miles. Then. Wow. Okay, three thousand miles. That's me. So we didn't do Hawaiian geography at school. So yeah, he's he's three thousand miles away from you in Santa Monica, uh, Michael Neal. And um, yeah, so we. I do over. I do overthink, but I know that I'm not my thoughts, and I know I'm not my feeling. I'm not my feelings. So if we look at trauma, trauma is thoughts and feelings, essentially. Uh, and, and and part of the human condition is to be obsessed with our thoughts and feelings. That, right. that, that's, 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 the, that's the human obsession. And it's, I think it's getting worse. Right. Um, people didn't worry about the feelings 100 years ago. You know, they were too busy surviving. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I see, I see, um, I, 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 you know, people look at behavior, um, you know, I, so I've, I've had, um, I've been angry and, and done stuff as a kid, you know, had fights in playgrounds and stuff like that, but that's, that wasn't adoption. That was kid stuff, right? So, if we, I believe that we go upstream of behavior to to the feelings that drive the the, the behavior, upstream of um, uh, feelings to to the to the thoughts uh, that that drive the feelings, and then upstream again of the thoughts to the identity who we truly are, and if that's too many steps. You know, I was showing you this metaphor that I use yeah, a lot. I would love you to talk about that. So it, we're doing this, we're doing this on video, but for, obviously it's a podcast. So people are listening to it. So imagine listeners, my clenched fist. So I'm, when I'm clenching my, I'm clenching my fist. It's not because I don't like Lara. I think she's brilliant, <laughs> but I'm clenching my fist because I'm, 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 it's a metaphor for, for anger. Um, and a lot of ad- adopted parents talk, especially about, about adopted lads, about their anger, right? So the fist is a symbol of anger and a symbol of insecurity and a symbol of trauma. It's a metaphor. Now, what I'm actually doing now is I'm opening my fingers up to reveal a glass diamond that I bought off Amazon uh, for, for, for seven pounds. Uh, and I've uh, and it's not a real diamond. If it was a real diamond, it'd be worth a lot more. Than <laughs> but the, the diamond, for me, is who we truly are. And the, the, the trauma is the fist. But we seem to be obsessed, because humans are obsessed with their thought, the thoughts and their feelings. We're obsessed with the thoughts and feelings and, 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 and the trauma. And we're focused on the clenched fist. We're focused on what's going on. Uh, rather than um, spending our time focusing on on the uh, on the perfection that we truly are, which is the diamond that is obscured mm. by the fist. Nice, and and I and it is it, that's a that's a powerful way of thinking about it because I think sometimes when this, I mean, I'm curious about this conversation, right? In terms of sometimes when this conversation happens around trauma, 
there, there can be this piece of, there's a way that folks talk about it that if, that if not done carefully and skillfully would actually have a person believe that, that when you reveal that core self, it will be broken in some way. It will be um, unhealable, untrusting, uh, and and wounded beyond beyond repair. Rather than in in your metaphor, recognizing that there are layers for some folks that need that need attention, but that at its core there isn't a brokenness. Am I am I saying that correctly? Is it, how would you talk about that that notion of how traumatic adoption is or isn't. Well, I I felt wounded, but I'm not my feelings. Say more about that. So you felt wounded by... I felt wounded. I felt wounded by adoption, but I'm not my feelings. I thought I'd been wounded by adoption, but I'm not my thoughts. So this isn't... This is like a real... I've I've been down a, a, a little way down the trauma rabbit hole, and the darker I went, the further I went, the darker it got. Mm. But luckily, uh, so uh, and the further we go down it, I, I, but I didn't go down very far at all. Yeah. I, 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 a lot of adoptees have been way further down the, the trauma rabbit hole than me. But the, and the further we go, we don't obviously we're not. We're not doing it on purpose. It's not our fault. It's not a conscious decision. We're, we're just, you know, stuff is happening to us and we are, we're, we're feeling insecure. We're feeling angry. We're feeling othered. We're feeling scared. We're feeling angry. We're feeling disconnected. We're feeling unattacked. All that stuff, right? All the stuff, all the stuff. And, and, and the further we go down the, the, down the rabbit hole, the darker it gets, and the darker it gets, the more stuff we bump into, and the more damage we cause. Right? Because our uh, our wound. I'm switching my. I, I, I'm switching my metaphors yep. here, um, but our wound either leaks or it's like a jugular vein being pierced. Yeah. Right. However, and, and it and it, it's real. It's it's our human it's, it's our human experience. However, the 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 diamond cannot be wounded. It's it first first off. If I stick with the metaphor, right? Stick with the glass or the metaphor. It's the toughest. It's the toughest substance known to us, diamond or glass. You can't scratch it. There's obviously, I can't, there's, there's limits to the metaphor. <laughs> so you, you can't, you, you, it, 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 we, we are fundamentally unwoundable. Our bodies can be wounded, but the essence of who we are, uh, awareness, God, chi, you know, different people call it different things. Um, that is un- that is unwoundable. We, I, I believe, we are fundamentally unwoundable. We can feel wounded, but we're not our feelings. Feeling wounded doesn't mean we are wounded. We are actually unwoundable or like un- un- untouchable. The essence of 
who we truly are at, at, at our very core. But this is pretty. This is pretty far out for most people. I can. I, I can. Well, I think it is. I don't know. Is yeah. It, is it too far out? I mean, I don't know. I hang out in the land of the connection between thoughts and feelings and core selves a lot. And I think for 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 parents, like why this conversation matters, right? So it's like why why what is helpful? Why the diamond? Yeah, and 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 like. And yeah, what is helpful about differentiating or what is helpful about trying to, to have parents um, see the trauma as, as real and not life-limiting or defining? Does that make sense? Why would it matter to parents, do you think? And, or adoptees. Why does it Why matter does it to matter? adoptees? <laughs> this is for all of us. Yeah. Right, we've all got um, some form of insecurity. We all feel insecure. Me too. Right. We feel some 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 sort of insecurity, and then we hang that insecurity on, on a hook. Well, so some people hang. I used to hang it on the business success hook. Some people hang it on their body shape hook. Some people hang it on their ginger hair hook. Some people hang it on their bad driver hook. Some people hang it on their, yeah. Some people hang it on their adoptive hook. It's insecure. Insecurity is part of the information. The the essential the essential feeling of an adoptee is not being, is being less than perfect, is being unlovable. Mm -hmm. So the more we can see their perfection and, and their lovability, the more, the better able we're going to be able to point that out to them. So it's a bit like, um, like you're, this is what this is what you do, right? So it's uh, probably an unconscious skill to, to you. So if you, my sister's got three kids and their, their father is French, my sister's English. Who, who would be a better person to teach my nieces and nephews English? My sister. Who would be a better person to teach them French? dad right so the 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 clearer we the better our under the better our own understanding better our chance of teaching our kids right stuff. and and also how we you've heard this stuff um how we see things is it quantum physics you know the the observer affects the observed Yes. So if, if, you, if you think that there's something wrong with your kids, it's going to leak. Yeah. So the clearer you can see their perfection underneath their trauma, the more that's going to come across in your interaction with your kids. The clearer you can see it for themselves and the better able you're going to be able to point it out to them. 
So another another analogy, again, to do with French, right? So French ski instructors that this I don't know it's changed, but a few years ago, the only thing that mattered was how good a skier they were. It was nothing to do with whether they were a good teacher. So you need you you need you need to be able to model. Yeah. Yeah. But you also need to be able to teach. You need to inspire and empower. And if you're coming at this from a place that is trauma obsessed and my kids wounded, um, then uh, first off, you're 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 um, you're going to be quite strong here. You're wrong because the essence of who all of us are is unwoundable. It it yeah you can't. We feel wounded when we aren't actually wounded. Go back to the metaphor again of the, the, the glass, right? So if I, I'm holding the glass up again to the, I'm holding the, my fist up again to the camera, and, and, and the, 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 the diamond is, um, the, the glass diamond is in my fist. If I put a knife through my knuckle or my finger, my, my you obviously my, Finger's going to be wounded, but that, and I'm going to, I'm going to feel the pain. But who I truly am, when that knife hits the glass diamond, it isn't going to scratch him. And you know the the problem. So we use metaphors, we use metaphors to take the abstract and make them concrete. So it's a bit like um, the one I would use on this is the. Um, that the the invisible man right so the invisible man has to wear a suit because you can't see his body and has to wear a bandage because you can't see his face so what a metaphor does is it takes something that's abstract like thoughts and feelings and and insecurity to do with uh, to, to do with adoption and and makes it a thing we use that a lot don't we i didn't know that was a thing but making it making it a thing gives it more credibility and, and and i talk about i use the i use the um the, the metaphor of a, a trauma ball so a trauma ball is like a snowball you don't have many snowballs in you don't have much snow in hawaii <laughs> yeah. um but you know how we we kind of uh you know you're making a you're making a you, you're making a, a snow person you scoop up some snow between your palms and you make it into like a shape a bit like a, a bit like a tennis ball, maybe between your between your hands, and then you roll it along the you roll it along the the the, the, um, the the snow, and it and it picks up, yeah, and it gets bigger. The snowball gets bigger, right? That's the belief. That's what I did. Believing I was wounded grew the trauma ball, mm. grew the trauma ball, and then. When I then what when I brought that um, trauma ball out into into uh, the light of awareness, like understanding what had happened, that was like an industrial fan heater, right? <laughs> that melted the snowball, the trauma ball, uh, and uh, so it, it, it reduces, it reduces, it reduces, it, it melts, it melts. And then there's a puddle of water, and then you keep the, the you keep the heat on on the on the, the, the puddle of water, 
and it and it evaporates and there's nothing there because there was nothing there in the first place other than thoughts and feelings this is why for me yeah so um, that was quite a long segment i didn't really no, no, I think it makes, no, because it, it, to me, it reiterates this, this because I, I mean, as an adoptive parent myself, I sit in complexity around this in terms of, you know, t- and, and doing this work professionally. I see a number of parents who come in um, not recognizing the, the, the way that attachment loss and attachment rupture can, can shape some of those interactions when you're the the primary caretaker, right? So they sort of minimize, like they minimize this idea that 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 parts of adoption and the identity search um, for adoptees is greater than a six month adjustment period. Like a lot, you know, there's sort of this magical thing of like, yeah, yeah, there'll be bumps in the beginning in a honeymoon period, and then once they know they're safe, you know, if they're an older child or when they feel they're safe as a younger child, then then like you're good to go kind of double thumbs up and and so there's this on the one hand i have a subset of folks who really minimize this idea that that there are distinct things about an adoption attachment journey and then on the other hand uh you know i hear hear a lot and listen and try to balance this this the primal wound the the concept that and i don't mean to oversimplify the primal wound but but the the permanency the inevitable the inevitably permanent brokenness, for lack of a of a better word, that right because adoption no there's no one singular adoptee story there's no one singular adoptee voice. The parents that I'm working with end up often coming because they're saying you know I need to understand what's going on with my kid better. There are some challenging behaviors or feelings, and and how can I give them what they need and the 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 trauma piece is can be a beacon in terms of like oh i have to think about this behavior differently their attachment path was different they'll need different things how can i give my kid something different because what i was doing wasn't working right to a certain degree so the you know it's the way that i think about it is and it's beautiful it actually coincides nicely with how you're talking about it in terms of there is wound. You do feel hurt. There is, you know, for some folks, a different, different parts of the path. And at the core, there is this lovable whole self that that needs to be um, brought to the life. It isn't that the core is the the brokenness or the missing scaffolding. It is that for some folks, there are layers to support bef- before you can get to that to the piece or as you get not before but as you get to the to the thriving part there can be layers for folks um and to me Certainly. yeah and, and to me that's super meaningful because because and i really want to reiterate for folks listening like if i talk a lot about the story we tell ourselves about our kids behavior really defines uh, really informs how we respond. If we think our kid is just being selfish, if we think our kid is always difficult, if we think our kid is is um, you know forever missing this part or whatever, the energy we bring to the behavior is going to be really different. 
And so I talk a lot with parents about the story we tell ourselves about why our child is doing what they're doing is going to be part of the energy we bring to solving and holding our kids. And and they feel exactly, they feel from us as their primary attachment folks what we're communicating about our story of why. And if we think, oh gosh, this is that this is the adoption stuff. This is they're being difficult because, or they're being needy because, that this is, um, you know, that adoption wound stuff. And they 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 get the sense that this is something fundamental to them. Then that's tricky. They're going. They're more likely to take that sense of brokenness. And mirror that as well. So for me, the tricky part as an adoptive parent is how do we recognize that it's not my lived experience? There are things about my child's experience that are different from mine. There, there are attachment hurdles that can be different if you haven't had the same caregiver forever. And this doesn't become a defining thing of the, about their character, future, or potential, or happiness. Right? I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So... I've been looking at this for 14 years. Yeah. So what I'm talking about here may come across as la-la, right? As a, as, as a, 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 they may come across as, as la-la and dismissive and, uh, and, and fairy tale and uh, it is the way I see it. That doesn't mean that I don't feel insecure or I feel unloved or that sometimes, like people use this word trigger, right? And trigger for me is massive understatement. It's landmines. We're stepping on landmines. I've stepped on landmines in, in my relationships. I've stepped on landmines, a few landmines on it, and I've gone off. I've really gone off. The brainstem can't tell time. I believe it's part of the challenge, right? So mm. the the trigger, and I think the trigger is a mass, as I say, mass um, uh, minimization. It's a landmine. Landmines go off. Uh, uh, so I talk about that. I talk about that. So if I don't feel unheard, you know, if I feel like I'm not being listened to, I feel like I, I can give you um, an example about that. Um, I was on the, on the train about six or seven years ago when I was going through a bit of a, a, a tricky time when I believed I was wounded, right? So when I was like, the story I was telling myself mm-hmm. was I was, I was on a train and uh, there was this kid on a, on a phone uh, and I asked, and he was shouting down the phone. And I asked him if he would raise, raise, uh, uh, lower his voice because I was trying to read the book. And um, a book about this stuff, you know, and, and uh, he didn't. I mean, he raised his, he, he dropped his voice. And then, he, then like two minutes later, and I, 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 um, I reached over. It, it, his volume was back up. Right? Um, and um, uh, and he, was, he was shouting. And I completely lost it with that kid. Completely lost it with the kid. Um, I didn't hit him, but I was right in his face and really menacing, angry, and, and furious. And I, I've had other landmines when stuff have gone up, gone on, and, and I've been kind of mis misunderstood. Um, 
I'd done stuff and I, I got really insecure about relationships and stuff. And um, so it happens. This I'm, I'm not in. I'm not in La La Land. However, I bounce back a lot faster. And and I I know that I I know that you know this too. I'm, I'm not a religious guy, but this too shall pass. This and 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 and, and my feelings aren't who I am. Our feelings aren't. Our feelings come and go. Yeah. Um, some of them are stickier than others, but you know we're to to use another metaphor. We're 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 obsessed with the clouds, and we don't see the blue sky behind them. Yeah, and and I think that's a great. I mean, I feel like I could talk for hours and hours about this because there because I just think it's a really key piece of parenting and showing up for kids is this idea of how impacted we view our kids by their story. We're not our story. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're not, and, and right. Feelings are states, not traits. And I think sometimes we can, and and I, and again, it's tricky for me as a clinician and, and, and trying to help adoptive parents see that there that there can be distinct parts of this journey if they're feeling disconnected from their kid if they're frazzled and frustrated by behaviors like all right well let's look at this piece could this have to do with an attachment piece could this have to do with your expectations that have to change could this have to do you know what i mean like can we can we yeah. can we hold this piece as a way to reconsider how we're thinking about our kids behavior Again, without making a permanent, without making it a permanent limiting factor for our child, because they will feel that, and it will add to that unlovable piece. It will add to the brokenness piece what's that none of us wants. Yeah, what's what's wrong with me? And will it be forever? And can I fix it? And like, like we don't want our kids walking around. I mean, they, you know, adoptees get to lead the story. So as parents we don't want you know we want to be able to be flexible in how our kid is experiencing uh that and some kids do resonate at different developmental phases or stages more with this idea that option adoption is a part of their life versus not a part of their like or or that adoption is a part a central part of identity versus you know, no more central than other aspects of their identity and that we have to be able to hold space for that, that we, we can't have our locked in version of what was done to our kids and what they need to understand about it, that we have to be really, you know, keep our knees bent <laughs> and, and yeah. have to think about it. Yeah. And facts. And this is why, you know, like a, a adopted parent after adopted parent tells me, um, it's about me. <laughs> it's about me. What happened? What? So what? You know, like I, I, I talk about. I mention this. I name check it all the time. It's one of my favorite episodes of on, on my yeah. podcast. It's called uh, it's by an adoptive mom who runs an agency, adoption agency called Holly and Petrie, and we had a conversation and. And she came up with this title for her own podcast. And she said, it's, um, and she said, uh, and, and then we, 
like we had a conversation then, and then she came on she said, uh, looking forward to the conversation. I've come up with a, a title for the podcast today, the episode title. I said, great. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, what was it? She said, unpacking our own baggage as adopted parents. Mm. Unpacking our own baggage as adopted parents. It, any relationship starts with us. So I haven't got any kids, but my relationship with my wife starts with me. My relationship with my dog yes. starts with me. <laughs> my relationship with my mum starts with me. My relationship with my sister starts with me. We've got way more in, uh, we've got met way more. Uh, no, I'm, I'm trying to think about sovereignty. Yeah. You know, we've got, we've got way more scope. Yeah. And yet, and, and I'm, you know, I've talked to, um, therapists like yourself who specialize in this in this area and they say and they say and and, and the people that come to them know that they're specialists in this area right? yeah. and, and, and they're, they're presumably really well informed parents because they've sought out an expert and yet they still come to them and, and they, they and i don't think so this happens to you and they say uh that the essence of the story is fix my broken kid yeah, and that happens. That happens across child psychology, and and this is probably to your point as well. That happens across child psychology, and adoption, if not held correctly by adoptive parents, can become an added reason why the issue is my kid. So it can it can be a place, right? If if adoptive parents aren't aware of the story they're telling themselves about the scope of trauma or the, then then it can be even more reason that the problem is my kid, not my approach to my kid, not my relationship stuff, not my expectations. So it be it if parents grab on to the trauma piece, and won't let go, right? If it's not a helpful way for them to think about how to show up for their kids, how to be willing to learn different things, how to recognize that there may be landmines for your child in some areas and not others. If they can't, if they can't factor it in to what they need to learn about their child as a human and respond, then, then, um, yeah, then there are more hurdles to jump <laughs> later around that stuff. Yeah. So. So I, I've got this phrase I came up with and people kind of like it. Um, trauma-informed hope obsessed. Trauma-informed hope obsessed. Right. I love so, that. Yep, I saw that. I know I saw that on your stat. I was like, oh, trauma-informed hope obsessed. This, the identity piece, and, 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 and the, I've said it quite a number of times, you know, um, fun, fundamentally unwoundable. Feeling, the, the, you talked about the stories we tell ourselves about our kids' behaviour. I'm talking about, the sto- I'm, I'm, I'm going a bit deeper than that. Yeah. I'm talking about the, to- the story we tell about our kids' spirit, soul, yeah. uh, life force, like their essence, their, yeah. who they are. Uh, like identity is like, it gets, it's, it, it, it's very complicated. It's got layers and layers. So um, I've only talked about, you know, they say this in education, um, kids aren't their behavior. Yeah, yeah. 
they're not they're not they're behaving. So you've got you've got like thought, you've got thoughts, feelings, you've got beliefs, you've got um ego, right? So what is wounded is a child's an adopted kids, anybody, what is wound what is wounded for anybody, like people that go through um a divorce, right? Their um their they are their ego it's it's that it's our sense it's our sense of ourselves that is wounded it's our sense of ourselves that's wounded but our sense of ourselves is our ego and our ego is not who we are yeah thank you simon i mean that's a i think that's a really clear the metaphors help just helping people peel back the layers of of understanding and and recognizing it will impact the way that they go toward their child and the way their child feels seen and safe and supported. So thank you so much for this conversation. Um, I welcome our paths crossing and I look forward to them crossing again. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks for listening today. Just a quick note here at the end to say I am so glad you joined and I hope you are too. And if you'd like to connect with me more, come take a look at my website, www.drlauraanderson.com. There you can join my newsletter, keep in touch and find out what is in the works. You can also join me for coffee and conversation uh, and Facebook at Common Cord Psychology Services. So check me out those places and I look forward to further connection. I'm glad you were here today.